Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. We are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual journey and look forward to helping you discover God's plan for your life. To find more messages like this, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast feeds. To stay connected with us, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the handle CCGF01 and check out our website, ccgf.org, for all of this information and more. Now, here is this week's message, Grace and Peace to You. Well, it's a joy and delight to be with you here in our virtual church worship service together by screen through the airwaves and gathered as if around the Lord Jesus. He's present here with us, with you here this morning. So let's talk to him and ask him to use these moments with his word to speak to us. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us, for meeting with us, for gathering us. Give us that sense of all being together with you as you take my lips and speak through them, please, Lord. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, what a joy to continue this saga with Joseph and his brothers and now father as they all assemble in Egypt. And as we continue with our series, the thing I want to point out from this this morning is that leadership is absolutely essential for anything to move in the right direction. I've given over the years much of my thinking, dreaming, and action to dealing with leadership, endeavoring to be a leader, find leaders, cultivate leaders, inspire leaders, because nothing moves in the right direction without leadership. A dear friend of mine now with Jesus, Bishop Alfred Stamway, an Australian bishop, he came over here to the USA to help us start the Episcopal Seminary called Trinity Episcopal School for Ministry, now just known as Trinity School for Ministry, in Ambridge, Pennsylvania. And he used to say this, given the gospel, everything depends upon the leadership in place. So I want to address through the eyes of Joseph and his experience, what leadership looks like and to pick up one or two clues, nothing expansive, but certainly potent because it was Joseph who became the leader, gathered his family, and began to use his gifts and abilities almost unconsciously because he was a leader and leaders lead. And God had anointed him for leadership. And in that leadership, he made a difference down through the ages and into eternity, an extraordinary thing. And may that be so for each one of us as we pick up these tips, see what happened through the life of Joseph and ourselves, take up our leadership responsibilities wherever we find ourselves. So coming to Genesis chapter 47 and verse 1, 
which Ed so spectacularly read for us. It says this, Joseph went and told Pharaoh. That's a simple line. But Joseph was going to speak with the king, that's Pharaoh, of Egypt. And that king had made him second only to himself in leadership in Egypt. And we'll see how uh, Joseph got there in just a few moments. But Joseph went and told Pharaoh, my father and brothers with their flocks and herds and everything they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen, which was a part of Egypt, a very nice part actually. And he chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. How did all that begin to happen? We need to review that. How on earth was it that Joseph could walk into the presence of the king of Egypt and bring with him several of his brothers and his father and present them to the king of Egypt? Maybe the most powerful nation in those days in the Mediterranean world. How did that happen? Well, my first major point is this, that hard knocks, that is the difficulties in life, hard knocks are God's paving stones to success. How on earth did he get there? Through nothing but a series of miserably painful hard knocks. And we've been looking at that, but to see it in a leadership light I turn you back to Genesis chapter 39 and verses 2 through 4. And what you read there is this. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, with Joseph, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar, that was the man's name, put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Now what's extraordinary about that scene is that Joseph had been sold by his brothers, his, all his older brothers, into slavery. They detested him. He thought of himself too highly, given the visions that God gave him, Joseph, which he, maybe unwisely, told his brothers. And the result of that was, since the father, Jacob, spoiled Joseph, gave him this very fancy coat of many colors, created such hard-hearted, insanely jealous, vicious attitudes from the brothers toward himself, the young man, Joseph. And so they took him and sold him to a bunch of traders that were passing by out there where they were shepherding the sheep, who brought him, Joseph, down to Egypt and sold him to Potiphar, Potiphar as a slave. That's how he got to be there, through the hard, vicious contempt of his brothers, who in effect sold him into slavery, 
to these merchants who were traveling by on one of the traveler's highways. They brought Joseph down to Egypt. And in Egypt, he ends up with this man Potiphar as a slave right in the household of this very important leader of the troops. He was captain of Pharaoh's guard. And Joseph in that position, starting at the very bottom, exuded, exerted such influence that, and it's not clear how long it took, he, Joseph, ends up as the number one man in Potiphar's household. Through the hard knock of being sold into slavery, sold into Potiphar's household as a slave, he, Joseph, ends up becoming a leader of the household. Now, we know the story of how he, I believe you probably know the story, he was accosted by the wife of Potiphar. She wanted to have sex with him, tried to get him in bed with her. He resisted, and she thereby falsely accuses him of trying to rape her. She was so indignant, and he ends up in jail. Another hard knock. Potiphar was so disgusted, he put Joseph in jail. But in jail, it's amazing what happened. The verses we're going to be looking at here speak of that. Watch what happens here. While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. How amazing. From the palatial living with Potiphar, he ends up in jail. But in jail, a new prisoner, and again, it doesn't say how long it took, but the favor of the Lord was so with Joseph in jail that he was given leadership over a whole section of his prison. And Joseph, again, ascends, despite the hard knock of being in jail, ascends to leadership in prison. And then as the story unfolds, he meets a couple of chaps there who are also put in prison, interprets a dream to these men, which in turn leads, finally, to Joseph getting out of prison and coming before the king, Pharaoh, to interpret one of his dreams. And as a result of that, Joseph is released from prison, goes to work for the king, and before you know it, has ascended to leadership with the king. So here we are then, chapter 41 and verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Again, starting wherever he ends up as the leader next to the king of Egypt in the whole of Egypt. 
And that's described in expansive ways. People running before him, make way, make way. He was given chariots and guards. He was second only to Pharaoh. In that extraordinary situation, he gathers his family. They come down from Canaan and he assembles them and brings them into Pharaoh to introduce them to the king of Egypt. So that spells that out. That's how it came to that situation where he, Joseph, introduces his brothers and father to the king of Egypt. And the king of Egypt gives them all kinds of wonderful goodies, including the best piece of land on which to live and take care of their sheep and their living. As it says here, Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if you know of any among them with special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. Give them what we've just discussed together. The principle that hard knocks are God's paving stones to success are evidenced in the life of Joseph. And the lesson for us is this, because here he is bringing his brothers and his father into the presence of the king, who then grants them, gives them a land grant of Goshen, where they then settle in and begin to grow numerically and with influence. All that through the series of hard knocks that Joseph experienced. And he forgave his brothers in that process. These very brothers that he's brought to the king were the people who sold him into slavery. So just a little byproduct, a little byproduct lesson here is don't carry anger, vengeance, self-pity in those hard knocks. Joseph clearly, and that's the statement of the whole series, what you meant for evil, said Joseph, God meant for good. And Joseph, in some miraculous God-gifted way, moved on from all the hard knocks and including maybe the most severe of his brothers selling him into slavery, which led to the rest of this saga, for, his to be, for him to be able to forgive and move on and use the hard knocks moving along as he did so into places of leadership wherever he found himself. I can tell you in my life, I've got markers as I look back over my life, and those markers are painful, difficult circumstances in my life that I didn't want, would never have chosen, but God used them in the most remarkable way. And as I've moved through life and now look back on my life, see that those markers of pain and difficulty God has used to move me forward in the right direction and brought me to this very day in this very place and to be speaking with you about it. So with regard to Joseph, he didn't let those things poison him. If you want to be a leader, you just can't go around with a spirit of vengeance and your, your spirit poisoned with angst and anger. Let the Lord set you free. And that's one of the great gifts of the Christian faith, to come to Christ 
and be forgiven, to forgive and be forgiven, and to be set free. This leads on to the second major point, and it is this, that always, wherever you find yourself, always give it your best shot. To give it your best shot. Joseph, in each of these circumstances we've just described, started at the bottom. He was the newcomer. He was the newcomer servant, the newcomer prisoner, the newcomer as far as Pharaoh was concerned in his leadership team. But Joseph gave it always his best shot. One of my verses in life, right out of the Bible, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 is this. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. In other words, to go for it. Give it your best. And that's what Joseph did. And that's a mark of leadership and developing leadership. To give it your best shot. In each of these circumstances, Joseph worked his way up from the bottom to the top positions, in exercising tremendous influence. And wherever, wherever you find yourself, give it your best shot. Go for it. I have this wonderful series of quotes here from Mother Teresa. Let me read them to you. People are unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do will be forgotten tomorrow. How true that is. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be frank and honest anyway. What you spent your years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help, but may attack you if you help them. Help people anyway. Give the world the best you have and you'll be kicked in the teeth. Can you imagine Mother Teresa saying that? Kicked in the teeth. Give the world your best anyway. If you're going to ascend with any kind of gravitas and leadership authority, it's not going to happen just because you turned up at the right time in the right place and looked like the right kind of person. You've got to give it your best. I can say this with absolute authority from a lifetime lived and all that I've seen around me by way of leadership, that nothing of anything Nothing of any consequence happens without sacrificial leadership. Nothing of any consequence happens without sacrificial leadership. There's a price to be paid. Give it your best anyway, always. The third, third major point is this. Leadership in the secular world is what Joseph was exercising. Leadership in the secular world. Isn't this amazing? What we've been talking about here is a Jewish Hebrew man, to be more accurate, a Hebrew man ascending to leadership in Egypt and in that leadership role 
becoming second in command in a secular world, not in a Jewish or Hebrew or Canaanite world, in the secular, from some, from our vantage point, godless world of Egypt. To be in a secular place, to be in a secular place and exercise leadership. And in that role, both to bless the world and to bless the Lord's people. To bless the world and to bless the Lord's people. So it's not just that we want to play church and have our little leadership roles in church and to play a kind of organization that has all its responsibilities and accountabilities within itself. One of the great things we've been learning is, since we are like now the virtual church assembled, we haven't been coming to this building. And uh, the leadership under Pastor Craig Geergo has done a spectacular job of getting us out into the world. And the environment that's created through going on screen as we are gives us the opportunity to bring many others to see what God is doing without them having to come here and be in the building. It's such a gift to us, this hardship, a gift to us of inspiring us that we might get outside our own four walls and make a difference where we live. But that's the truth, the real truth for every single one of us who has a role of leadership and at various levels from the bottom up, Allah Joseph, we can always exercise leadership and influence for good. And the Lord knows, as do we, it's desperately needed in this world of ours, wherever we find ourselves, to be in place for the Lord. One of the most extraordinary things that happened back in the 18th century was this. A man who was to ascend to leadership in government was converted in 1784 on a very comfortable, luxuriant trip for him in Europe, away from England. His name was William Wilberforce. And he took a summer ride down into the south coast of France. And during that time, because of the man he was traveling with, who was a Christian, a serious Christian, Wilberforce himself became a serious Christian in his history, in who he is. Everything turned around in that journey in Europe in 1784. He became a parliamentarian, elected to office in Parliament, and spent a lifetime there, working primarily with William Pitt the Younger, and Pittsburgh itself, by the way, is named after his dad, Pittsburgh, and he was the Earl of Chatham, hence Chatham College in Pittsburgh. But the son of that first Earl of Chatham became the Prime Minister of England, William Pitt. And Wilberforce became a great friend of his. And together, along with others in government, they got the, stray, the, they got the slave trade abolished. But it took a lifetime. It wasn't until 1807 that the slave trade was abolished in England. 
and that the work of so many people, but Wilberforce, the parliamentarian, heading that crusade. One other thing in conjunction with that, he gathered other leaders in Parliament on Sundays in a place called Clapham, a borough of London, and they would have dinner together every Sunday, and it was said that more got done in Parliament at lunch in Clapham than meeting in the House of Commons every week. They gathered as Christians, prayed together, and to exercise that kind of influence. And it's so much more than abolishing the slave trade. It's an amazing saga in history. But they were Christians in place, in leadership, and blessing the world around them because of it, and blessing the Christians as well. And one of the beautiful things about Joseph is the way he blessed his family ascended to leadership in a secular domain, and in that secular domain, introduced his family to the king, and they end up living in Goshen, where they multiplied and grew very effectively as a people, the very people that God was going to gather one day and lead out into the promised land. One last thing, and it's this, to see ourselves in place for Christ, to see yourself in place wherever you find yourself for Christ. That is, when you get into any place, any workplace, any social place, wherever you find yourself, to use your influence there to bless God's people, to bless God's work, to be an effective change agent for the Lord Jesus. Just as Wilberforce in getting to know Christ, used his influence, so we do the same. But that means self-consciously saying that wherever I work, wherever I play golf, wherever I go shopping, wherever I have friends, whatever family I am in, I am there as one who is in place for Christ. I am the Lord's man or the Lord's woman in that place. And that is a very powerful single impact through us ordinary one at a time people wherever we find ourselves and it's amazing I first heard the gospel not in a church but from a young man who was a follower of Jesus and himself was an electrician and I was helping him and he shared the gospel with me so from being a young teenage lad as I was then here I am now preaching the word, but it began with another ordinary layman witnessing to me. The man who brought me here to the USA, his name was Tom Frierson. He worked in the food trade. He was a broker and he sold to other brokers. And his, his domain, extraordinar extraordinarily, was all the way from, from Maine to Florida on the East Coast. And wherever he went, while he was brokering the food to major markets, he himself always saw himself wherever he went as belonging to Jesus and in place for Jesus. And back when I was a young man and had just arrived here in Pittsburgh and was beginning to settle down, married, 
have a child or two? Tom Frierson came to visit. He was actually visiting a broker here in Pittsburgh. He led that broker to give his life to Christ, having spent a whole day with him traveling from store to store and talking about where to exhibit and how to get his product out there. In the process, Tom Frierson led this man to Christ. Sitting outside my house in the car, this guy having brought him back to drop him off where I was living, Tom Frierson led him to Christ. That food broker gave all kinds of food to the hungry, the dispossessed, the homeless here in Pittsburgh. But it began with Tom exercising Christian leadership in that man's life. That's our job. Wherever we are, see us, to see ourselves there for Christ. Well, let's talk to the Lord about this right now. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you for Joseph. Thank you for the way you used him. We are still a part of that same history. It's as if we are a, an extension of what he did in Egypt back all those many years ago, 1800s BC. And here we are now in the 21st century, in the middle of a plague, things so strangely upside down for us. Grant to us, Lord, wherever we find ourselves, to see ourselves here for you. May we bless the people we come in contact with and be a blessing to your people as well. Help us to be on site, in place for you. Forgive us, Lord, where we've taken advantage of our power and influence and good fortune just for ourselves. Set us free, Lord, with an expansive vision of what it is you want to do with and through us. And we pray in your name, Lord Jesus.